coming out of the book of Ephesians today for our text verse. And we are going to be talking this morning, uh, as I forewarned you, (laughs) about the subject of adoption. If you'll open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1, we will have our text coming out of verses 3 through 5. And we're going to be discussing the subject of adoption this morning because it comes in line with what it has been other than the Easter season by and large. It comes in line with what it is we've been talking about with respect to redemption. Uh, We've touched on, I need to come back and discuss salvation, but um, uh, redemption, salvation, justification, and this morning, adoption. And uh, we're going to go with Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. I'm reading from the NIV. If you don't have that as an option, or if you don't have a Bible with you today, you can look up behind me. It will be there. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. We could stop right there and go home. That's good stuff right there. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to notice the next two words. They're important. Who has. Who has. Now, I want you to understand something that has is a word that would tell us that this has already happened. This isn't something that we're waiting for. This has happened. Who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Now, I want you to stop. If that's not hitting home with you, you need to stop and let that percolate just a minute. Well, look at that. Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we're giving praise to God because of something He's done. Who has, past tense, it's already occurred. This is something that is standing because it's been established. Has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. If there's a spiritual blessing that can be found in Him, we've got it. Now guys, I'm sorry, you should get an awful kind of happy with that. You, this is where, this is where you find yourself in Christ. Right there. That's your standing. That's where you are currently. Let's move forward. For He chose us in Him before the creation of the world. Now, if you were wondering, well, how long has this has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ? How long has that been going on? Well, you just found out how long that has been going on. Because he says, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in His sight. 
That's a long time, ladies and gentlemen. That's a long time. In love, He predestined us. In love, His entire motivation is love. His love predestined us for adoption to sons or sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with His pleasure and will. Now, I don't want to spend much of any time here. I want to just make maybe a little fogginess clear. There are those who believe that if God didn't predestine you to become one of His children, then you never will be and you can't be. That's a doctrine out there. Okay? That if God didn't from before time, before the world ever began... Keeping in mind, He created everything, including time and space. So before any of that stuff was ever created, He chose you to be one of His children from some divine perspective that we are not privy to. That is a doctrine out there. And if He didn't choose you from way back then, you're never going to be chosen. You might as well just sit down, enjoy the ride while you can, Because you're going to hell. Okay? That is a real doctrine out there. But the bottom line is where they get that is they presuppose that when the Bible says, for He chose us, that all that's meaning is those who are the recipients of this Word of God. That's the ones He chose. That's where they get that. That if you're saved, well, He chose you. That's not what that means, ladies and gentlemen. Because if we understand the plan of redemption, Jesus Christ came, was born, lived, died on a cross, was buried, resurrected on the third day, and shortly thereafter ascended to the right hand of the Father. And that act of His caused or brought the idea of redemption forward for all mankind. All of them. I don't care how ugly and how nasty a person is inside or outside. Redemption is applicable to them. Okay? So, when the apostle here says, He chose us in Him, the recipients of this letter understand. Us means, for God so loved only fraction of the world. No, for God so loved the whole kitten caboodle, all of the world. He created mankind out of love. And so when we talk predestination, God in His infinite planning and foreknowledge predestined all of mankind to have the opportunity to be adopted as sons and daughters. That's what that means. Everybody gets a shot. 
And then Jesus turns around later in his word and says something to the effect, I believe it's in John, I can't remember right now, he says something to the effect, I don't need a testimony about mankind. We brought the light, they preferred the darkness. So with that said, some are going to actually be adopted, whereas others will not because they've selected to be that. Everybody getting me? I don't want any confusion with respect to that. So predestination is an actual thing, but God in His desire and love for all of mankind, predestined all of mankind to be adopted because He set redemption up for all people to have an option of being redeemed. It's just some aren't going to be. Okay? Again, here we go. Speaking about adoption. When we speak of the idea of adoption, what is meant? What is meant by that? Well, in the world in which we live, adoption um, can simply be understood this way. Adoption is the action of legally taking someone else's child and bringing it up as your own. Did everybody get that? Okay. Now, I know that we all know what adoption is, some here more than others. But adoption is the action, now here's the word, the action of legally taking someone else's child legally and bringing it up as your own. But in the spirit in the spiritual, in the eternal sense, what is meant by adoption when we make reference to it? Well, easy. Adoption can be defined simply this way. It's an act of God whereby He makes us members of His family. You go, great. But I don't know that that sinks in with us. Because there's so much stuff, Stephanie, in church that we just God decides to take an action where we become part of his what? Family. You see, we haven't covered that yet. In redemption, in salvation, in justification. We haven't talked about family. We've just talked about a procedure or a process that takes a relatively short period of time. Pretty much the first step is already there in place. The second one creates the third one, and the third one happens upon the fourth. We'll go into that here in a minute. So adoption, in a spiritual sense, is God. An act where God makes us a member of His family. Let's break this down. Whereas, in regener- or a redemption, I'm sorry, God gives us new spiritual life within. A regeneration, I'm sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. <laughs> that never happens. In regeneration, God gives us new spiritual life within. You say, Michael, you just threw a new term. Regeneration. What is that? Well, you know what regeneration is. Because how many here are born again? 
how many of you uh, have been saved? Okay, we've got a whole bunch of lost people in this sanctuary. As a matter of fact, the vast majority of you are lost, according to that hand-raising. And some of you, because of your hand-raising, don't know if you're saved or not. You're looking around like, Am I saved? I am. Why? How many of you have been born again? How many of you have been saved? Same word. They're synonymous terms. Thank you. Thank you. Regeneration, being born again, being saved. You can lump those all together. Okay? So when we have regeneration, God gives us a new spiritual life within, also known as being born again. Justification there gives us the right, the legal right to be standing before Him. He gives us a right legal standing. That's justification. But in adoption, adoption's different. Adoption, see, we were lost with this, this thing that we weren't even aware of being available to us called redemption. It was there. It was just waiting for us to step through and go, Oh, that's what that is. That's what I need. That's all that is. Then we acknowledge that. And when we acknowledge that, we experience the process or the a momentary process of regeneration. We are saved. We become born again. And because we have put our faith in that redemption story, then God looks at us having been saved and says, you are now justified. You're no longer that person. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new and you are now, it is just as if I'd never sinned. Well, so far, all we've got is us acknowledging the free gift of God and our need for it because we're lost. Then all we have is the, because of our acknowledgement of that, God legally gives us standing. He makes us righteous legally. Why is that a legal process? Because the Word of God tells us that to, to, for forgiveness of sin, there must be the shedding of blood. This is what makes it legal. This is what, why the devil thought he had won. There was no blood that could take care of us. And when he took Jesus out, or so he thought, he thought, this is a cakewalk from now on. But he didn't count on what? He didn't count on Sunday. He didn't count on Him coming back to life. So the, reali- the reality that this is a legal process in justification is because that blood was shed paying the price that was demanded of by death, hell, the grave, and the devil. That price was paid with the blood of Jesus Christ. And then He resurrected. So we have justification. We're justified. We have legal standing 
properly with God because of that. Then adoption, now that we can be there with God, now that we can come into His presence, now that we can evoke, invoke His name, now that we can worship Him, and He come to where we are, now that all that has happened, and it's legally binding, because of Christ's blood, then God, for God so loved, God makes us members of His family. How? Through adoption. Therefore, the biblical teaching of adoption, because it's God making us members of His family, the the biblical teaching of adoption focuses much more. Not on the things of justification. Not on the things of salvation. And not on the things of redemption. The, the biblical teaching regarding adoption focuses much more on personal relationships. What personal relationships? The relationships that salvation gives us with God and with one another. Why do we call each other brother and sister? Because we are. Why is this called the family of God? Because it is. Through what? Adoption. So whereas adoption to earthly families is the action of legally taking someone else's child and bringing it up as their own, adoption into the family of God is where the Father legally makes us members of His family through the justification process. Because justification is the legal step. Adoption is the, is the family step. Romans 8. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Did you hear that? <laughs> I like this next line. Because it clarifies what the first sentence just said. Let's reread the first sentence. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Now look at this. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you uh, live in fear again. No. What does the Spirit do? Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. So if you want verification as to whether or not you're an adopted child of God and you are not completely sure about the biblical foundation of it, let me ask you a question. Are you led by the Spirit? Because if you're led by the Spirit, you don't have any other option but accept the reality you are a son or a daughter of God. Why? Because He's not going to lead a sinner. This is one no amen having crowd this morning. And by Him, who? The Holy Spirit. And by Him we cry. What? Now all of a sudden that should make more sense to you. 
Abba Father isn't just a moniker, some Christianity-based name we tattoo on God's forehead. No, we call Him Abba Father because we're adopted into the family of God. Therefore, He is actually not the religious icon, Father, but Daddy. Daddy. Abba, Father, by Him, that same Spirit that's leading you, that's confirming the fact that you have been adopted as sons and daughters, that same Spirit gives us the place in our spirit and in our heart and in our mind that we can cry out, Abba, Father, not in a religious context, but in a relational context. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Are you led by the Spirit? Well, there's a testimony for you. Do you cry unto Him as Abba? As Father? As Daddy? Well, there's another testimony for you. Now, if we are children, then we are what? Man, I don't know about y'all. I believe it was the Queen of Sheba. I believe it was her. Visited Solomon. And you know what she walked away with? You know what she walked away from that meeting saying? The half has not even been told about the riches and the glory and the wealth. Not even the half. That's what she's walking away going, I cannot believe what I just saw. Just blown away. And, and Solomon's going, yeah, I know. And the reality is that that was just an earthly kingdom. We are the adopted sons and daughters of God. We can call Him Abba. And the Spirit, He leads us around. He leads us, gives us direction, helps us to know what to do, what to say, where to go, etc. He helps us in growing when we have done what we ought not. He, he grows us, right? Okay. That, this is all happening in our lives, ladies and gentlemen. And if we're in that position as sons and daughters, well, then we are His heirs as well. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. What does that mean? We're heirs with God because Jesus isn't our Father. He's the one who sticks closer than a brother, which means He's our kin. And if He is an heir to the throne, heir to the kingdom, then what do we have? Co-heirs with Him? Are you kidding me? Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in His sufferings in order that we may also share in His glory. Then again, let's, 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 I, I just wore that Scripture flat out, I know. But let's, let's read something closely akin. Galatians chapter 4. 
But when the set time had fully come, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to do what? To redeem those under the law. That we might receive what? Adoption to sonship. Because you are His sons, God sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts. The Spirit who calls out from our hearts, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are His child, God has made you also an heir. Guys, I don't know. You should be getting real excited about that. And I don't know, but maybe it's just sinking in. Maybe it's just kind of, you're going, ooh, now wait a minute. I don't know if that's what you're doing or not. But I'm telling you right now, that's some good stuff. God's Word is very, very specific regarding His children understanding their relationship to Him, Mike. He's very, very, very particular. Now, I want, you, I want to ask you a question. Do you recognize this equation? Do you recognize this equation? This was from, well, actually, no, I'm sorry. Forgive me. That's, that's this week's. I'm talking about last week's. Forgive me. Last week's equation, you probably recognize that. It was redemption plus salvation equals justification. Do you all remember that equation from last week? Okay. And we talked about that. Well, now, and, and I put this new one up because we had to add this adoption portion in. And why is this? Why do I care about showing you this equation? What's the point? I don't know about you, but I'm a very visual learner. Okay? There are others out there in this crowd who are very theoretical learners, and you don't have to see it to understand it. I'm not. My wiring is much slower than that. Okay? I have to see. This is the kind of stuff that helps me. Okay? You really smart people who can talk your way through things and just say, do you get this? Blah, 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 blah. And I'm going, hmm. This helps. We talked about redemption, which is the gift of God that He put in place by a divine action. Salvation was the acknowledgement on our part where we saw redemption. We saw what we needed and we responded in affirmation knowing that we were lost in our sins. By virtue of that belief, we ended up being justified just as if I'd never sinned through an, an action of God that legally claims us as saved and a member of the kingdom of God. But those three things have to come in that sequence, despite the fact that that sequence takes about this long. Despite the fact that it takes that long, this sequence has to happen. Once we are justified and the legal action has been taken on our individual, specific part, then we find ourselves being adopted out of love into God's family. Amen? Now, let's, let's go somewhere with this. Since the imagery of being the, the whole born again imagery, born again. Even Nicodemus had trouble with the idea of born again. Remember? How in the world am I, has a man supposed to be born again? Are we supposed to re-enter their mother's womb? 
he just he was like smoke, you know the smoke right here coming out of the ears, that's Nicodemus. Had that trouble. So since that kind of imagery of being born again in regeneration, being saved, uh, uh, makes us think of children being born into a human family, born again, born into a human family, we may, and this is, this is some specificity, this is very nuanced, but it's important. We may be inclined to conclude that we become God's children. We become adopted. We become God's children by virtue of being regenerated, by being born again, by being saved. Okay? We may get that, oh, well, this comes from that. However, the New Testament, never one time does it connect adoption with regeneration. It doesn't. On the other hand, the, well, the, the fact of the matter is just for clarification. The very idea of adoption just is precisely the opposite of the imagery of being born into a family. Okay? So, adoption isn't being born in to the family. Adoption is something different. With that, the New Testament does. Although it doesn't connect adoption and regeneration, adoption and being born again, adoption and being saved, the New Testament does connect adoption with faith. Saving faith, however. And says that in response to trusting Christ, God adopts us into His family. Now you say, man, that is like you're splitting hairs. Not really. It's just nuanced. Galatians chapter 3. So in Christ Jesus, we are all children of God through faith. By virtue of. We arrived here because of faith. Let's go down to John, first chapter. Yet to all who did receive Him, to those who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. So although this is like, I've said it up once, I'll say it again, I've said it ten times already, this is very nuanced. There's a lot of specificity here. The reality is is that we can't conclude that what we did to get saved is why we're adopted. No, it's a decision because we are deemed justified by God. Therefore, since the legal portion of this has been dealt with, He then draws us into His family because we believed in the gift of His Son. Okay? Okay. There's one more thing that we need to understand about adoption. Although the New Testament says that we are now, right now, presently, God's children, we should note um, that there is another sense in which our adoption is still future because we will not receive the full and complete benefits of that adoption um, until Christ returns and we have new resurrected bodies. Paul speaks of this 
uh, a little bit later, a fuller sense of adoption when he said in Romans 8, again, we were referencing Romans 8, he says this, We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our what? Bodies. Okay? So although we have been adopted into His family, there's a portion of us, and it's the part of us that we look at in the mirror every day, that still has yet to be altered. Now, let me... Um, let me move on. Now, I was asked to not preach long today um, because someone already this morning told me they were hungry. Okay. Now, normally, I'm just going to be honest with you, I totally ignore people who tell me to preach fast. And I think I have a track record that shows that I totally ignore people who tell me to preach fast. But actually, this, we're, we're going to speed along here because I'm already at my conclusion. I heard someone say something, and I'm sure it was, it's about time, but I don't know. Listen to this. Now, I didn't really initially plan on using the following reference that I'm going to use when I, sent out to, when I set out to preach uh, this message and prepare a message on adoption. But this, this reference simply proved way, way too perfect of an illustration not to use. So I'm going to use this. Um, in his book, and there's a small group of people who know why I just said that. Um, in his book, Worship Leaders, We Are Not Rock Stars, author and worship leader Stephen Miller speaks of uh, the occasion when he and his wife Amanda stood in front of a judge, finalizing the adoption of their two sons. This is a conversation that's going to happen here. As we sat in the courtroom in Ethiopia, the judge asked us a few short questions. Will you love these boys the way you love your biological children? Yes. Will you give these boys the same inheritance you will give your biological children? Yes. Then the judge says, You realize this is completely irreversible. Nothing you can do and nothing they can do can make them no longer your sons. Yes. Then Mr. and Mrs. Miller... They are yours. Previously, they didn't have the love of a family, but now they did. They didn't choose us. We chose them. They didn't earn their way into our family, and they could do nothing to earn their way out. There is no way they could, that they could make me stop loving them, fighting for them, 
or providing for them. I love them both the same way I love my daughters. And the four children all have the same benefits. There's absolutely nothing they can do to change that. Miller goes on. We were dead in our sins. We were slaves. We were orphans. But God... But God, the perfect sovereign, holy creator over all of the universe, quote, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loves us, made us alive together with Christ. Ephesians 2, 4 and 5. He chose us. He forgave us. He redeemed us from our sins and sinfulness. He made us just as if we had never sinned. But He didn't stop there. He took us in His arms and adopted us and decided to love us in the same way He loves Jesus. He gave us the same inheritance He gives Jesus. He gave us a new eternal home where we will live with Him forever and enjoy who He is. Now, He calls us His sons and daughters and we call Him Father. End quote. Finally, The Apostle Paul, he wrote this, he penned this under the inspiration of the Spirit of Almighty God. He penned this in the hopes that those people reading these texts at the church of Ephesus would come to an understanding of the measureless vastness of the love of God. This is what the Apostle wrote. I pray that out of His glorious riches He may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Can we, can we just give him a round of applause? Stand with me this morning. 
Father, we worship You and we exalt You. We praise You. We acknowledge Your presence in this building. We acknowledge Your presence, Your life-giving Spirit in Your Holy Word. Father, we acknowledge You as You lead us every day, as You have given us the testimony that we are adopted sons and daughters when we cry out, Abba, Father. We acknowledge the fact that we are Your children. And Father, You have established it from before the creation of the world. You established it. Father, I'm just asking right now that You would minister to this group of people. Father, deepen their relationship with You. Father, deepen it. Let it become even more steadfast, more solid, more fixed on You and in You. Father, letting doubt flee before them as as they walk through their lives. Father, we love You and we glorify Your name. Hallelujah. Is there anyone in this house today that needs to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Is there anybody here who doesn't know Him? Because, man, He did everything that can possibly be done in order to save us from our sins. He set redemption in place beforehand. The Bible says in Matthew's Gospel, while we are, those who are seated in darkness saw a great light. Romans said that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans goes on and says that while we were yet still sinners, Christ died for us.